0: And built on real sports stories. It covers the latest headlines and updates. It's hosted by the one and only Megan Hall. rocking with the best this is the hall about sports podcast with your host the one and only meg hall if you don't know now you know welcome to episode 17 i got co-host kev with me and i have a very very dear friend of mine a phenomenal person and by the way oh he's something slight of a a broadcast journalist you know just something light uh danny thompson has joined us and i'm so grateful danny thank you for being on with kevin i'm coming to hang out
1: I'm, 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 I've
0: been waiting for this opportunity to come on the show. I've been waiting for my invite.
1: Meg finally sent me the invite, Kev. And <laughs> you know I had to track her down in my group chat.
0: <sighs> you're just going to oh, well. out me like that on the Good podcast. Okay. So, in, in true here, fashion, like I told Danny at the time, I was like, please, please, please charge it to my head and not my heart. He knows how I feel about him he's a good friend like it was not it was not intentional but yeah he was definitely. I was making dallas stars jokes that's what happened in the playoffs that's what happened. that's that's probably that's probably true honestly i was a little hurt over my stars i'm not even gonna lie i'm not my, hur- lie. you didn't get swept my hurricanes got swept now true 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 very true i didn't and and to be fair i was i think i didn't say anything about that in the group chat because i was like that's probably not a good not a good topic
2: as a Montreal Canadiens fan I had to just leave that one alone I'm like listen I can't I have no room to talk to anybody whose team made it this far
1: listen my wife constantly laughs at me because she goes your teams all suck for the most part I'm a Hornets fan I'm a I'm a Hurricanes fan Hurricanes is the only team that wins anything I'm a Falcons fan of football I'm a Mets fan of baseball like I
0: don't win much in yeah I'm so sorry about that. And speaking of not winning things, you're probably not going to win today either. So let's hop right into the run a show. (laughs) Just had to pull one in there. Um, All right, so run a show for tonight. So we're going to do the starting lineup. So we're going to tell us how you got into journalism, how you got into basketball. If you weren't covering basketball, would you cover another sport? We'll talk about that. I think you just mentioned Falcons. I'm so sorry to you. Um, All right. The the special segment that we created for you is called, is this a a flagrant? So what it is, you know, I like a good pun, so I'm going to. Definitely going to throw them in there, but this is all about basketball. I promised Danny, we would not talk NBA draft. So we will not just side note. That is Thursday. Uh, other than that, last segment is the post game presser where you get to ask us questions and we'll answer them. We've gotten really fun ones. Like is cereal soup. Uh, What's your life's theme song for Kevin's, you know, arms wide open with Creed. Uh, You yeah. know, whatever, what, <laughs> whatever you, you know, whatever you feel like asking, we will usually try to answer. We like, we like to keep it fun and light. So We'll be thinking. I actually have a question for you, too, that I think you'll actually like when we we get to okay. that segment.
1: Let's do it. So, All
0: right. So starting lineup, tell us, how did you get to this point? How did you, one, become a basketball fan? And two, how did you become a journalist?
1: So this actually was kind of funny. So um, my birthday is June 1st, so I just turned 40. So I was Happy born. Related. Thank People you. Later. Thank you. So I was born during the 1983 NBA Finals. My dad coached basketball in the military. My mom, was a, my mom had the biggest crush on Dr. J. So living in Hawaii, where there's a six-hour time zone difference, and also when basketball was take-delayed, I just my, I broke my mom's water, and then we were on the way to the hospital. My mom refused to leave the house until she finished watching the Sixers game. So, you know, this is the 1980s, so, you know, you don't, you don't really get TVs inside the delivery room. So at that point, I didn't come out until after the game was over, and at that point, that's when basketball was born into me as I was literally coming out the womb. Um, my mom and my dad always told me that their first memory of me was in sports was drooling on a sports page at eight months old. I was drooling on a sports page. Um, so I, sports, sports has been part of my DNA ever since. Um, you know, kids go outside and play, you know, play. I, I played sports as a kid, but kids go outside and go run and play. And I'm in the house. Uh, watching ESPN, when ESPN actually had programming on during the day, building Lego stadiums, thinking I'm watching you know, watching NFL yearbook as a kid. So with my dad being a basketball fan, uh, being a basketball coach, our Saturday night, our Friday nights were spent watching TNT games when it was, you know, just old school TNT and watching the Atlanta Hawks on TBS and watching the Chicago Bulls on WGN on Saturdays. That was my, me and my dad's bonding time. Um, I, basketball's a part of my life. And so I play as a child, and I peaked growing wise right around the eighth and ninth grade. Um, I was a power forward, and then you know, you know, when you realize you cannot be a five foot eleven power forward in college, um, you know, you know, a five foot eleven inch, you know, five eleven with a a Zach Randolph vertical leap, you're not going to make it to the place. (laughs) So, um, this resonates with me. Yeah, I was a writer. Um, I always passed English classes. I remember going to Winston-Salem State State University, you know, uh, illustrious of Stephen A. Smith, of course. And I remember writing all my English papers in college based on basketball. Like, I literally wrote every paper in college and turned it into a basketball form whatsoever. And I did that, and I turned into a journalist. Um, I, you know, I couldn't play the sport, but I knew I could talk about it. And so... At that point, no, Mike, I wasn't Charles Bark. I told you I had a four inch vertical leap. Like I, can, I mean, I can, ju- I can, I can shoot the basketball but I could barely jump over a Pop-Tart. So it's This <laughs> it wasn't gonna work this way. So um, I remember writing all my papers in college uh, on basketball and it turned into writing. And so I really got into writing when I left college in 2003, uh, 2004 is when the Bobcats got here. So a real GM first like literally was just a blogging site. That's how mm-hmm. long it was. I was writing a real GM covering the uh, the Bobcats. I covered an NFL site for a site called NFL Draft Blitz. Uh, my very first professional interview was actually Dwayne Brown, the offensive lineman. Um, nice. It was actually we met. We had conversation on AOL Messenger, and it turned into a phone conversation that was long distance on my mother's phone. That I had to pay long distance minutes, so I had to live out a call to Blacksburg, Virginia. So. <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so I remember doing those things, and it turned into be uh, writing for a while. I moved to Florida, um, and I took some time off from writing after my brother passed away. I had a lifelong dream of you know going into sports, but then what kid in the nineties didn't play video games? So I grew up playing video games. I played NBA Live as a child. I just realized I wanted to make video games. I wanted to do sports games. I'm the kid drawing in class, you know, and thinking I'm okay. Create this great game, and I moved to Orlando. And two and a half years later, I worked for EA Sports. So I worked uh, designing video games for the NBA Live series. Of course, um, I did player ratings, rosters, playbooks, um, all those wonderful things. Worked on franchise mode for the series um, for two years. So like, if you ever picked up NBA Jam on Fire Edition, and you actually paid the updated version and you play with the New Orleans Hornets, just know that they're a complete cheat code after the trade of Ryan Anderson because between <laughs> Ryan Anderson and Hugo the Hornet, they're both perfect 10s in the three-point line, and they don't miss. So I had the ability to help with that. So, uh, yeah, you, you, you win money off that, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but I, I grew into a data person. I knew stats. I love sports. I love breaking down plays. So working on stage moves and playbooks was beautiful um after i was laid off because of nil back in the day which was the ed o'bannon case so mm-hmm. i lost my job due to the ed o'bannon case which was the beginning of nil back in 2013. um right before it, made, it made a lot 13 actually released um i got back into journalism again and this is when podcasting first started so you know big shout outs to my friends at barbershop sports um they gave me an opportunity yeah. to um, after I started, and big shout-outs to Randy, Azalea, and, Backyard, um, and Backpage Sports for getting my first credential covering the Magic. I covered the Magic for three and a half seasons. I had a radio show in Orlando called Four Court Press Radio that was nationally syndicated, or iHeartRadio, and also a flagship station with, with Really No Magic. Um, I did that for about a year and a half, two years, but covered the Magic for four years for multiple sites. Um, moved to Charlotte, covered the Hornets uh, for the current site, right forward to three-point conversion, and kept my own stuff on the side, and now I'm in this space. Um, actually, do my works now through Substack. I do the occasional podcast, and you know, it's covering the league for the last what, 14, 15 years. It's been beautiful. Um, but I've seen the league change a lot. Um, I have stories, and my wife tells me all the time it's time to write a book on some of the things you hear in locker rooms because I I got some stories about locker rooms, but I don't know. I might tell them one day. Who knows?
0: Oh boy. Okay, so before I I follow up with 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 comments, Mike is in the comments and he said, ask Danny about three guys from three different cities who met at Tilted Kilt. Is this podcast appropriate? Is what I want to ask because I feel like David <laughs> just put his hands over his face and he's like, oh no. So
1: that's the first time I actually met Mike Patton and Kyle Nash together. So me and Kyle lived in Orlando. <laughs> and Mike came to visit, so all three of us met at the Tilted Kilt down and down to, uh on iDrive
0: okay yeah i know okay. about iDrive yeah so if you've
1: ever been to the Tilted Kilt it is kind of like okay if we're going to put this on platforms right if we're doing it on the Banana Republic Old Navy scale right Old Navy is considered Hooters and Tilted Kilt is more like I would say the Gap so it's an upgraded version of Hooters. The only thing is the women wear wear, wear skirts and kilts. Yeah, um, it's the uh, Irish version. Of, yeah, this is just that it's just the upgrade version. So we all met over wings, and it was complete laughter. It was the first time I met Mike, and you know Kyle and I had we had crossed paths in other ways, but we had all got together for the first time. It was pretty pretty damn
0: hilarious. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it sounds to me like you have like lived, you've eaten, you've slept basketball for the last 15 years. What moment are you most grateful for throughout all of that?
1: You know, the most grateful moment is when, um, wow, if I have to think about it, it's really being in the locker rooms and telling stories.
2: Hmm. You know,
1: there's one thing for, you know, just to hear players talk, but the best part about it is, there are so many stories you hear when you don't have a microphone in the player's face. Um, you are just talking to a player candidly one-on-one and they realize you're not trying to put them on blast and they really tell stories to you, or you can just really see it. Um, I think my favorite moment is when my daughter came to a game um, with a credential on. So she actually wore a credential. She had a chance. To, she talks about to this day, you know, going to the game and eating the popcorn in the media section, the media room and, having a hot dog and just wearing the same badge that her dad wears. You know, when you put a credential on, it's a thing of honor. But see your kids see you do it, it's more amazing. Um, I think that's one of my most favorite parts of being a journalist was just taking her with me to a game. And uh, big shout-outs to Orlando Magic for letting it happen because it was the night, actually, of the Boston Celtics game when my daughter... uh, well, my Darby got to meet a very close friend of mine that same night, so it was kind of like a, a catch twenty two great moment all at the same time. So it made out for perfect everything that night.
2: So,
0: I love that. That is awesome. Like I don't, I don't think you often hear about things like that, and I love when organizations do those kinds of things, like letting kids kind of be behind the scenes. Uh, I know the NFL has recently, you know, doubled down on that a lot more where you're seeing kid reporters out there, you know, uh, interviewing athletes and whatnot. So I absolutely love that. That's awesome that you got to share that moment with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, kudos to the Magic for making that happen.
1: Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's it's always love with that organization. You know, the good, the bad. You know, I watched the team lose over one hundred and thirty games in my four years at home so it was it, it was it was a lot but you know but no but as far as the front office goes it's an amazing front office amazing staff the ones that are still left and the people that went away so no i i have so many stories like i said but it's been more than basketball you know those opportunities of basketball opened up ways for me to cover the nfl it's all for me to cover college basketball i've covered college football i've covered women's soccer i've covered mls so it's opened up doors for many other opportunities so basketball provides so much and i will always get back to it it's my sport
0: and speaking of it being your sport we are going to transition to probably the best part of the podcast for you and for kev so (laughs) this section of the podcast is called is that a flagrant so we're going to ask you several questions that could be ruled a flagrant foul so i'm going to start with a little softball because i think this is really good considering what just happened my question to you is can the denver nuggets repeat and if they do, do you consider them to be a dynasty? And I want to throw out some stats at you before I before you answer that question because I thought this was pretty insane that okay. this happened. Um, let me pull this up so that I can speak to it. So, all right, in Game One of this Finals, uh, Jokic had 27 points. Uh, he had 41 in Game Two. Uh, Jamal Murray had 34 in Game Three. Uh, Aaron Gordon had 27. And then Jokic had 28 in game five, pounding going on as well, Uh, some 11 game ones, some 13 uh, rebounds, 16-21. And then you get down to some of these percentages, which are absolutely insane. Uh, Jokic was shooting 58%, uh, Aaron Gordon 60%. Like these are, I mean, these are absolutely insane, you know, kind of stats to know that this was happening on Miami Heat's watch. But I just thought it was interesting that also a uh, random stat that I saw was that Jokic had 70 rebounds, which is crazy. 70. And 61 of those were defensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. So, of course, he broke all kinds of other records uh, as well during during uh, this finals. But wanted to pose a question out to you, and I'll read it again. Can the Niver Nuggets repeat? And if they do, do you consider them to be a dynasty? And, Danny, I'll go to you first.
1: Uh, can Can they repeat? The answer is it's... Yes, but it's yes with a complete asterisk beside it. And here's the asterisk beside the yes the Denver Nuggets need to, to re sign Bruce Brown because Bruce Brown, as we learned throughout the playoffs, and if you've watched the Brooklyn Nets, you watch his entire journey into the NBA, has turned himself into the ultimate weapon. Okay, he came in the league as a point guard. All right, had to learn how to play other positions and even played a small ball center as a Brooklyn net before he ended up in Denver. His ability to guard multiple positions on the court, we saw Jamal Murray get in foul trouble some games. Jamal Murray not hitting shots. What happens? Bruce Brown comes in and plays point guard. When KCP got in foul trouble, and I think it was in game three, guess what? You put Bruce Brown in the ballgame right next to Jamal Murray. When Michael Porter Jr. couldn't hit a shot halfway through the majority of the series, what happens? When he couldn't become unplayable, Bruce Brown stepped in at the three. The only thing Bruce Brown really didn't do in the series was play for the Colorado Rockies. That's the only thing he didn't do the entire series. And so... With Bruce Brown being a free agent and knowing that the contract is waiting for him, if Stan Kroenke, which he should, go into the tax to make it done, they're going to repeat. Because Nikola Jokic is basically almost unguardable, and now that he's got the championship ring, the pressure's off of him. Jamal Murray, we get to see Jamal Murray for back-to-back seasons. Mm -hmm. Remember, we haven't seen that since pre-bubble. And one of the things that turned Denver from a – a contender to a championship-level team, is Jamal Murray's mid-range game in the playoffs. Going into the final series against the L.A. Lakers, uh, against the uh, the Miami Heat, he hit more shots and had better percentage from the mid-range than he did at the rim and took Mm -hmm. just as many attempts. That turnaround, step-back, mid-range shot has turned into an art form for him. And he's got confidence. The one thing Nicole Jokic is is more dangerous is, I've never seen a player in a while do this is, He's more dangerous giving the ball to others than scoring for himself. Yes. The only way Miami teams can beat the Denver Nuggets is you make Jokic go for 40. It's almost to the old Shaq theory. You, you basically let Shaq get 50 and you shut everybody else down. Because Nicole Jokic plays basketball like you like people play 2K. It's that when he passes the ball to a teammate, it's like an extra like boost. And the shot goes in more likely when he's <laughs> passing the ball. Like players are like completely smarter when he's on the court. Aaron Gordon became an actual offensive weapon because of, of of Nicole Jokic. I watched Gordon for years in Orlando, and I promise you, through three, four head coaches, they couldn't figure out how to do it. But Nicole Jokic and Mike Malone makes this guy almost worth every penny when people thought he wasn't worth the pennies he was given in Orlando. So the Nuggets have, yes, so they can repeat. If they win a second championship, this is gonna get ugly. Because every time there's been a dominant center winning a championship, this thing can go for a while. It really depends on the makeup of the team. But in this case, Denver's all signed long-term. Joker just signed the extension. Jamal Murray's in the middle of the extension. Michael Porter Jr. got paid. Aaron Gordon got paid. KCP is good. Christian Braun is a rookie on a rookie contract in the second round. Now, I mean, you you got to find a way to replace 97-year-old Jeff Green. But, you know, (laughs) and and 312-year-old DeAndre Jordan. But you'll find pieces to handle that. So, yes, I think they can, but Bruce Brown resigning back in Denver is the key. So, if they do it, the dynasty could be in the hands of the Nuggets.
0: Wow. So, Kev, I just want you to, like, just realize what we just witnessed. It was, like, a (laughs) full-blown, like, switch. (laughs) Like, the switch came off, and he's like, ooh, basketball, boom, here's all (laughs) the stats.
2: Oh, yeah. And meanwhile, I switched into bobblehead mode. I'm like, yes, uh yes, I agree with this. (laughs) Yes. Yes.
0: Tell me more. Uh,
2: (laughs) I will say I, I agree with a lot of this and the Bruce Brown thing. I please, Denver, do not make the mistake that the Nets made because I was lamenting that it, it, it did not get nearly enough attention when Bruce Brown left in the offseason to go to Denver, how big of a piece he was. And he has improved his game. As you pointed out, he can hit these open threes. Now he guards multiple positions. I do think it's very important that they re-sign him, but I am also all in on a repeat. I am not certain exactly which team it's going to be that gives Denver their best run uh going into next season because it's going to need to be a team that has front court depth plays good defense and plays good team offense as well um and I just I'm not exactly when I look at the upper echelon on the east and I look at the change in coaching and all of that stuff I'm not so certain that uh denver's biggest challenge won't be in their own conference this year so um i right now i would say yes they are i mean obviously with what's going on in phoenix that's got to get a lot of people's attention i don't know if we're going to talk about that one later but i'm not i need to see more before i'm ready to to say oh yeah phoenix is going to be right there at the top who knows but i think it's denver's to win next year and after two I'd be okay here in the dynasty talk. I don't know because things could have been a lot different if Jamal Murray had not been injured. Um, So it's one of those things like we shouldn't discredit how good this team has been for, for some time. So I would hear the dynasty talk as well after a repeat.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the one thing with Denver it really is, of course, you know, you always gotta say health. Health is important for any any team in the finals. Um, just make or make a type of a, a championship run. And the Western Conference more and more it just seems like everybody just wants to do super teams. Um, it's like everybody just wants to get together. You know, you know, Meg's down in Atlanta, one of my favorite rap uh, favorite rap songs from TI is like, you know, maybe we can get together, maybe we can beat it. This is like, you know, it's just like, you know. <laughs> You know, when T.I. said that, now it makes sense because everybody wants to jump on everybody's bandwagon at this point. And ironically, Denver just did it organically. And I think it's going to take a team that's organic, um, that's going to be able to do it. Um, There are some teams that are are really more under the radar that can cause Denver more problems than the teams at the top level of the Western Conference because the only team that you, you thought that you'd be scared of which would be the two teams, which is the LA Lakers and the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors might end up losing Draymond Green, and the Denver Nuggets punch LeBron James in the face in the conference finals. And Anthony Davis is not ready to be that guy. So there's a whole bunch of answers. And until you can beat, until you beat the man, you got to beat him. So I'm taking Denver over the field
0: next year already. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is when you mention about doing it organically, there's another team that's done it organically, my San Antonio Spurs. Um, but uh, you know, my Spurs are not great, of course, right now. But in previous seasons, you know, done things organically and they were largely, you know, praised for for doing it that way. Um, you know, not building these, you know, quote unquote super teams. I will say this, the West is is, in my opinion, harder to come out of, right? Like the the, the competition is much more stiff out of the West. Um, and I think at this moment. Uh, yeah, I'm not really sure that there's anybody who's going to stop anybody in the east so yeah, the the competition would be coming would be coming out of out of the west. Um the way the Nuggets played in the finals was really beautiful basketball. It was fluid. Uh they were spacing the floor out. You see that ball movement? Uh you see Jokic being a facilitator, which is where he's the most dangerous at. Um and thing is like I mean, athleticism be darned (laughs) yoke just just you know just Mm -hmm. i mean knocking shots down like he was not he's not gonna wow anyone with the athleticism but he's so quick in terms of his turnaround shots um his ability to get up over you and extend over you um and that by the time you've realized what's happening like he's already scored and he's back down the court and you're like what just happened Mm -hmm. um so (laughs) you know it was a thing of beauty to really see honestly
1: that soundboard shuffle shot, which, you know, it seems like he's just going backwards, taking three steps. You know, if he's doing, you know, the electric slide slash the shot slide one step, it goes in every time. And the other part is, you know, the dribble handoff is coming. Yeah, you know, if Joker at the top of the key, you know, Jamal Murray's coming. You know, the dribble handoff's coming and Joker, you're not going to run through Joker on a screen. It's not happening. But what happens? It works every time. It's like it's like clockwork. It's I don't know what it is. It's something about how Joker and those guys do it. It's it's an amazing way of doing it. And the crazy part is Michael Porter Jr. wasn't accurate MPG, at all. If he was on point, this series was a sweep. Um, you got to get credit totally. to KCP for 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 being the complete veteran. And I love one of the stories about when they drafted Christian Braun. They wanted a kid that had championship pedigree that knew how to win in college. So that was one of the reasons why they drafted Christian Braun
0: because they wanted winners.
2: The moment wouldn't be too big for him. You can't go
1: wrong with a team saying we want to draft winners.
0: I mean, uh, hey, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. All right. So let's speak. Speaking of winners, Danny, you're just giving me all these kinds of great, like, transitions, which I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, speaking of winners, the Phoenix Suns were a big winner this week. So, in case you've been living underneath a rock, uh, there's this massive trade that goes down. So, Bradley Bill is now with the Phoenix Suns. And what happened in this trade is Bradley Bill goes to the Suns, Jordan Goodwin goes to the Suns, Isaiah Todd goes, the Wizards get back, Chris Paul momentarily we'll see <laughs> uh you get landry Shawmet, multiple second round picks and multiple pick swaps so my question to you is there's talk of chris paul potentially reuniting with the clippers but i can imagine a scenario where that doesn't happen and the scenario that tried to happen years ago which was chris paul to the lakers i'm wondering should he instead be a laker at this point because remember years ago, like the league blocked this, uh, you, you know David Chris Stern. Paul. Yeah, <laughs> Chris Paul, Kobe Bryant didn't get that opportunity. But is there an opportunity now where he could go to the Lakers? Kev, I'll go to you first.
2: Oh, that's a tough one. I they both have the same problem to me, um, so I, I, I have a hard time deciding which one I would pick if I were Chris Paul because no matter what, you're reliant upon the health of either LeBron and AD or Kawhi and Paul George, which for each team, I guess more so for the Clippers, right? It's been their health, and Chris Paul has that same issue, unfortunately, right? Where health is, is the biggest concern that you have with Chris Paul, is how many games are we going to get out of him? And at this point, in my opinion, I would um, – uh not this is a not a one to one comparison um so forgive me for the name i'm about to mention here but uh maybe I, I see chris paul doing what we've seen rondo do later in his career where maybe he's not necessarily a starter anymore until the playoffs he's maybe someone who is uh, fin- uh finishing he's on that last 5 minute unit something like that just because i i don't know how many games he has in him in a full season so if I'm Chris Paul the last place I want to go is another place that might be reliant upon me to carry a heavy workload for a big portion of the season because my other stars are out so I I feel like this is kind of a cop-out answer if I were him I wouldn't be going to either LA spot if it's all if it's just about getting a championship and setting yourself up for success I'd be looking elsewhere but uh, I'm just worried about those injuries
1: Okay. I think for me, I think the best place is the Clippers more than the Lakers. And here's the thing, because Chris Paul, these had the ball in his hands and, and with the Lakers, that's LeBron James. Then you're going to run into a whole situation like they did with Russell Westbrook. And you're going to be confused. The only difference is that Chris Paul can actually hit an open jump shot. Westbrook hits the side of the backboard. <laughs> it is what it is. But I think he works best with the Clippers because okay. here's the thing. If the Clippers have somebody to get the ball into the, into the half court. Chris Paul doesn't need to be ball dominant. It's just getting, getting shooters open. Norman Powell will work. He'll get Norman Powell open. Whatever Morris Twins on the team, he'll get them open for open shots as well, too. Terrence Mann will be able to find open shots. You're not asking Chris Paul to play 75 games, 60 games, because guess what? Your other two-star players don't do it either. So you just want to make sure they're all not hurt at the same time. It's kind of the same thing with Phoenix, Bradley Beal, Devin Book, Bradley Beal and Kevin Durant have real serious injury issues. They have not been healthy. Mm-hmm. D- Phoenix's whole idea is, as long as one or two of you guys were on the court, we're A-OK. <laughs> Until the playoffs, where we need you all to be on the court. It's funny, Yusef Nurkic had a great comment on Twitter saying that the Phoenix Suns are basically broken all over again. Uh- <laughs> but no, I think, to go back to the original question, I think Chris Paul's best chance to be would will be, will be the actual LA Clippers. Tyron, Ty Lue's a point guard, and you give Ty Lue really good players around him. Ty Lue knows how to coach. Let's, let's let people act like he can't coach. He's really a really good X's and Oaks coach. You give him a coach with a coach on the floor and Chris Paul, and you take some of that responsibility of playmaking out of Kawhi Leonard's hands because you can't give him too many too many tasks. Because as Megan knows, we all know he has the injury history. You don't want to put too much on Kawhi. Let Kawhi <sighs> play defense and score when he has to. You don't want to put down Paul George because Paul George is Paul George. If you can extend this out further, the Clippers are more dangerous because the Clippers also have more pieces around them than the Lakers. The Lakers are uncertain. If, if I mean, if Chris Paul gets traded, it's going to be the L.A. Clippers. We all know it's going to be the Clippers because the Clippers are going to take it on. And the Clippers will do it just to make sure that Chris Paul doesn't share a, a locker room with LeBron James. Okay? We're not going to get to – we might end up getting Team Banana Boat in the wrong way. You know, Carmelo, Carmelo and Wade retired, and, and Chris Paul and LeBron will end up together in the their career. No. Um, his best bet to win will be with the Clippers more than the Lakers.
0: Okay. All right. I dig it. I dig it. I dig it. All right. So, a couple more questions for you, because I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, let's talk about Ja Morant. So, obviously... If if you've been you know paying attention to this saga, this saga has been going on since last year. Actually, lots of reports came out this year of activity from last year of Jaw being involved in multiple incidents, all leading up to um, several suspensions. Now, this is now his second suspension. I think the first was eight games. This is now twenty five games for his off the court behavior um, and violations of the league's conduct policy. So my question to you, Danny, I'll start off with you. Did he get off easy?
1: Yes. (laughs) Gilbert got 50 games for bringing the gun to the district, okay? He got 50 games for bringing the gun to the district and told his teammate which gun you want me shooting with. All right, Ja got off easy. The only difference is that Ja is going to get destroyed in the pockets. So, I mean, because he did not get all NBA, which is one thing, Two, because he missed last season in the games, he didn't get the All-NBA, which lost the $40 million million that he was supposed to get in the contract extension this year. So if you want to say did he get hit in the pocket, he sure did. He got manhandled in the pocket, all right? He lost almost a year's worth of salary because of this. But if you look at the hindsight in 2020 part of it, if you look at his suspension, he's only losing $7.5 million out of the suspension because the NBA only taxes you a certain amount. Uh, I think it's 144th because of the number of games he's missing. So it it equivalents over $300,000, $304,000 a game, which is $7.5 million for 25 25 games. So remember, remember fans, it's not about how much he makes per game divided by the number of games. It's a certain percentage they take. All right. 25 games, yes, he's going to miss all NBA. He's going to miss all the awards. He'll probably miss the All-Star team. He should have got more. Because here's the thing. He got off lucky because the NBA already technically let him get away with it the first time. He was sent away to go do what he had to do. You violated this thing two months later. You said you were a change man, and you did the same thing again. They should have threw the book at him. Um, I say Arenas got 50. Javar's got. I think we got 38. Um, people bring up Miles Bridges' suspension being 30 games. Hindsight, Miles Bridges only got 10 games. He didn't get 30. He got 10. Why do I say 10? Because they retroacted 20 games on the suspension for this season. Oh, by the way, Miles Bridges played zero minutes this season on nobody's roster. So what game checks was he missing because of that? So 25 is light. He got lucky. I was expecting 50. Mm. I was expecting Adam Silver to throw the book at him. But I guess the only book that was thrown at him was John ja Moran's checkbook instead of the games book.
0: That is a bar. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kev, what you got, my man?
2: I, I have to agree here again with Danny. I think Ja did get off lucky. I honestly I expected at the very least him to be out and, you know, up until the all-star break. I don't know the exact game, you know, break of how many games that would have been, but no, twenty five games. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, it's substantial. I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he's suspended from all team activities up until that point, right? So he won't be able to do things with the team. I don't know. He's you know, allowed the building. He is. Oh, he is the allowed. Building. Building. Okay. Okay. They they want
1: they allow him in the building. He just can't practice with the team. Um, I think he can be with the team in team facilities. I think. I don't think he can do anything working out wise. But I think just to help him. You know, with that, have that team camaraderie. They didn't, get, they didn't suspend him from everything. I think he can still be in the building. He just can't do anything like physically on the court with the team.
2: Which honestly, that's probably good. As if rehabilitation is the goal here, you know, actually giving him time with his teammates is probably a good idea. Yes. Uh, I, I do think he got off easy with that suspension for all the reasons that Danny mentioned. The, the other caveat, I guess, that I will add here, as far as it goes for the Grizzlies. With him missing those team workouts and those team practices, it's now going to be on Ja to do the work on his own to stay in shape, to be ready. That 25 games, I think it's going to be longer. Uh, I, I, what's the actuality that game 26 he's out there starting playing 38 minutes? You know, it, it's all going to depend on what happens between now and then. So uh, he has said it once before that you know he learned his lesson and he was changed you know now is a, yet another opportunity I, I can i can bet i feel pretty confidently that the book will be thrown at him if something happens again between now and then oh. i can't imagine there being any sort of leniency so i really hope and pray that he just takes the opportunity to to get in shape stay in shape cuz the team's going to need him i mean I, the grizzlies play well without job but you know to get where they might want to go they're going to need him to be ready to go by game 30. So he's hopefully going to be doing nothing but uh, basketball-related things for the next few months.
1: I mean, he gets personal time as his training. He gets to do those things. I think, you know, being in a sanctuary, um, I think one of the things that hopefully he learns the suspension is that you might have to change your circle. And I think that's mm-hmm. one of the things. Uh, taking taken advice from Carmelo Anthony. Um, he has said that the thing that saved his career was changing his circle. Um, and realizing that, you know, a lot of the circle that you're around does dictate your future and dictate everything else. But those a lot of those people aren't going to be there for you at the end of the day. You know, and you have to realize that it's a hard reality. It's something that athletes have to deal with all the time because it's the people you grow up with, the people that are around you, people that you meet, that you want to take care of everybody. And that's something people, the general public, don't give athletes grace grace for because that's what they have to go through. You know, we we struggle with lo- losing a friend from for five years. You know, we we count we count our number of friends are on one hand in most cases. Like you know, you know if I lose Meg tomorrow, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be hurt because I lost Meg. But mm-hmm. for these athletes, imagine you know they're your friends and you have to get rid of them. You know, it's not it, you can't really make friends that easily. You know, it's not as simple as people make it out to be. But Ja has to change the circle. Ja has to change himself, and he has a daughter, and that's the other part. You know, so hopefully all of this matures. Jot into a better person a much more better headspace and when he comes back and he's purely cleansed listen he's still one of the five most talented players in the league when he's healthy i can only imagine what the western conference would be like when he gets back
0: yeah, oh, I, you yeah. know, I, I would agree with both of you in the fact that I do think that he got off easy. Um, I'm with you, Danny. I, I thought easily 50 games would be where, you know, where Silver started. Um, I th- one of my friends said something the other day, and I, th- I think it might make sense here in this in this circumstance was that, you know, Silver is having compassion for Ja, um, you know, in, in this in this in this moment for him to really kind of get himself together, because I think that 25 games says, all right, my friend, like, hey. I'm gonna take it easy on you here, but you know, next time won't be. You know, you might not be as lucky here, and I I think that you you saw that with the eight games and then the you know the the twenty five games or whatever else is very kind of like hey you need to get yourself together you know sort of thing. Um, I think for Jaw he is immensely 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 talented, yes. immensely talented, and I want him to to succeed. Um, the NBA is much better with him in it. Uh, he is dynamic on the court and people, I mean, the 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 Grizzlies organization, that team, I mean, they are a force to be reckoned with when he is there. And I think he's got to realize what his what opportunities he has in front of him. Um, so I think that's extremely important for him. So um, <laughs> I just saw <laughs> I just saw uh, Paris's comment. He said, I'm calling, calling him by his government name, Demetrius, until further notice. <laughs> Listen, I mean, you really can't.
1: I mean, that's what his name is on the government. I mean, is Bama call him Clay? I'm gonna call him Clay, is what they yeah. say. Um, going <laughs> to America, I guess is where we're going with this. Thanks, Parrish.
0: Yeah, thank you, Parish, for that. All right, last question uh, of this segment is uh, is actually full about Draymond Green. So Draymond Green has declined his player option for 2023 through 2024. That is about roughly 27 mil, which is quite a substantial number. Um, the question for you guys is, should he move on from Steph Curry and the Warriors? And Danny, I'm going to start with you.
1: He won't be valued as much and go- at any other place than he would be in Golden State. He won't be valued as much. Because Jerry Montgomery is the only player in the league that can score eight points, five rebounds, six assists, and, and be and be more important than to be the to be the second most important player on the court at all times. Hmm. He, this is the only place he can do it in. You average eight points, five rebounds, and six assists a game on twenty nine other teams. You are getting the book thrown at you. So, it's best for him to be a member of the Golden State Warriors. I get it. The only thing I'm worried about is with a change in the GM ship, with Bob Myers gone and Mike Dunleavy Jr. in charge. I wonder because I still think I know Bob says he wants to be with his family. He wanted to do more family things. I don't think Bob Myers wanted the blood of his hands of blowing this thing up. He built it. I don't think he wanted to take it apart. Mm -hmm. I don't think he wanted no Mm -hmm. part of that. Can you be the one to say that you might have to trade Steph Curry? Can you be the one to say you broke up the Splash Brothers? You built the Splash Brothers. Now you have to break them apart?
2: I don't know. A year vacation does sound a lot better than that. I mean, listen. <laughs> it's not like he wouldn't get a job next year if he decides. He could have had a desire. job.
1: He got. I think he left on Wednesday. He could have had a job by two fifty-two on Thursday if he wanted. <laughs> ESPN wanted him at one point. So listen, Bob Myers can go get a job. Pretty much, he could replace almost any GM in the league. I don't think he wanted to take this thing apart. Mm-hmm. And Draymond, I, you, this 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 whole Draymond situation will determine how they're going to treat the Golden State Warriors. If they resign Draymond Green. And they put the time frame out for the contract to be the same ending as Steph Curry's. This thing will blow up when they're all contracts all in together. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if Dre doesn't come back, explain Clay Thomas to be moved right after that, and then then Steph Curry is looking like Will Smith in that last episode of Fresh Prince, wondering where is everybody around him <laughs> at this point.
0: Kev, what you got?
2: Oh, I. I like a lot of that. So I want to say, I believe, um, I, I believe Draymond's going to stay put. One, one of the funny things that happened when this uh, announcement came out in the, in the last word on sports. So shameless plug, I'm an editor for last word on sports covering college and NBA. Oh, so those um, are my people over there. So yes, I knew I liked you for some reason. Hey, thank you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So our group chat immediately blew up with, Someone shared, hey, did you guys see that Draymond was out at dinner with LeBron over the weekend? And I'm just like, hang on, Lakers fans. First of all, Lakers fans don't want Draymond for the reasons that Danny suggested. I see what you guys do on Twitter. You're not going to like Draymond the first time he only has eight points and six assists because you're not going to be able to appreciate all the times he made sure that Reeves was in his right spot defensively or this or that, all those little nuanced things that Draymond does might not be as appreciated as you've already pointed out. So I, there are some teams, like if I start to fantasy GM this, where I'm like, oh, would I love to see Draymond in Milwaukee or something like that? Like, yeah, that, that sounds great to me. I think there are a ton of teams where he could immediately go in, add some front court depth. And it's like having a second coach out there on the field, at least field, the court, at least defensively. And and he's a good passer as well. So. I do think he's a valuable asset. Um, I don't know money-wise what what sort of deal he's going to uh, demand in the market, but my personal opinion on this is I think he did this so that he could restructure and give the Warriors a better chance to, to put together a winning roster this year, unless, again, unless we see them blow it up. But I, for some reason, I don't think they want to blow it up yet.
1: I mean – at some point, it's going to have to happen. Like, that's the point. It's going to have to happen at some point. Do you do it now or you do it later? And do you really believe that this core can win another championship? Do you believe that Steph Curry, that, that, Dre, that Jordan Poole and Draymond Green can get over it? Can you believe any of that at this point? You know, they even said that, you know, they never got over Jordan Poole getting punched in the face in preseason. And Dre tried all season to try to make it work, but it didn't. That's the real question. Steve Kerr's got a lot to deal with. This, this was not easy for Steve Kerr. This was supposed to be a cakewalk, but it wasn't. That's a good point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I, so here's the thing I told my, I told my, uh, I think Danny will be back in, in just a moment here. So, um, but I told my husband (laughs) that I think Draymond Green could walk away. I think they could they could dismantle this whole entire team um all at once. And um I I think the the reasoning for that is I watched this Warriors team struggle in the playoffs, unlike what I had seen before. Teams that you know that the Warriors could have like beaten in their sleep, you know, that sort of thing. And so it made me start to wonder is the magic finally wearing off for the Warriors? um this this kind of you know the splash brothers the defense um just their inability to just absolutely shred their opponents i i really wonder if the time is gone and with with bob meyer stepping away really made me think like yeah i think that the end is coming sooner than we think um and now with draymond declining his his option because i mean i'm i'm, I'm gonna be really honest with you i never saw that necessarily coming because i'm like he's gonna he's, he's gonna be a warrior like what what are we talking about here um yeah. But I, I think at this point, it's it's possible that they could he could walk away and be like, "Hey, you know, I'm done here," and and that that ends that kind of era. Um, I mean, as a Spurs fan, I'm not going to be upset if that happens. I just want to point that out there. But Meg,
1: uh, you know, Meg, just not cut you off. But I'm gonna tell you this: if Steve Kerr walks away tomorrow, you know where he's going to end up
0: in San Antonio. Yeah, he's gonna
1: he's gonna take over Pop in San Antonio.
0: I mean, I'm not gonna be mad at that. Like, I'm, I'm not gonna be mad.
1: I mean
0: you stole Wimby. Or so i <laughs> stole wow, stole is really, really strong. And I thought we weren't <laughs> even gonna talk draft. I mean, you're gonna make me get all excited about Thursday. But <laughs> but I, I do think that you know this this I would I would you know antennas are up about Draymond, you know, declining his option. We'll see what happens or whatever else. But I, I do think it's worth you know, it was worth mentioning here on the podcast while we had the experts to talk about basketball. Also, I think what might happen is
1: Draymond Green might pull the Al Horford, meaning that Mm -hmm. he had more guaranteed money, but he turned around to go longer. I think that he was, I think it was what, $27 million with his what what he got this year. I think if he goes through Steph Curry's contract, I think he goes three for 65. It saves him a lot more money. And I'll be honest with you, I think Dre will take less money up front and stagger this thing out further. That way, the luxury tax bill won't be as bad, and he's going to do the franchise a solid.
0: Hmm. Now that's also very that's possible cool. as well. I think you know, just for me, I was just telling Kev that, like, I I really think the that it's very possible that this the magic is kind of wearing off for the Warriors. I, you know, you're starting to see this unraveling at the ends where they're not as put together as they normally are. Um, but again, I'm I'm a lily Spurs fan, so you know, wishful thinking. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens. All right, so we've reserved the final portion of the show for the our favorite portion, and this is called the post-game presser. So this is the portion of the show where we get to ask our guests questions. Our guests get to ask us questions and we will answer them as truthfully as possible. Like I mentioned earlier, we've gotten some really good questions like is cereal soup? Um, you know are, are what had what ben troop ask? the question that i think it was was uh are chicken nuggets consider are, are they just chicken tenders or something of that nature yeah, like, like
2: is there such a thing as a boneless chicken wing or yeah something? there you go yeah, i think that was like
0: that. that was the question but yes we get questions <laughs> like that so i actually want to start this one because i've got a question for you danny that i think you're gonna like my question to you is what is your favorite part about being a dad
1: favorite part of being a dad uh be a girl dad um, my favorite part about just being a girl dad in general, not just a dad, a girl dad. It's weird because every man wants to have their own son and to have the their junior or the third or the fourth, the, the, the continuation. But when I found out I was having a girl, I felt like I was in a different fraternity.
2: <laughs> so
1: it's like, a, you, know, it's, you know, it's a different fraternity. I get to a different, you know, I get to step differently. I get to make a different noise during, you know, during fraternity introductions. But I think being a girl, that's the best part of it. You know, it's more than just doing hair and drinking tea and getting my nails done. It's the simple fact that I get to raise a young lady who's going to be a woman and be a, a successful woman in the society. So I get to teach her the things that I would have wanted, you know, or, or I want to see in a qualified woman. I get to, to be able to mold that. And yeah, there are pitfalls. My daughter's ten. I haven't gotten to the haven't gotten to that part yet of life. But at this point, I would never trade in the world. At my, and if my wife and I are blessed to have another one, I'd rather have a girl more than have a boy. Don't tell my wife that because she wants a son. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's about, awesome. she, might watching, she might be watching this later. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if uh,
0: Danny's wife, if you're watching this, just you know, just cover your ears. You know, cover you know, cover your eyes. Skip forward to this, you know, next question, next question. Um, <laughs> all right. What you got for us? We're happy to answer questions.
1: All right. So here's my first question. Is a hot dog a sandwich?
0: <laughs> Kev, I'm letting you answer that <clears> one <throat> first.
2: Oh, man. I, I believe I sit on the yes uh, end with this one. Hot dogs, sausages. It's in a bun. Right. So I guess it's technically a sandwich, especially if you get them like Chicago style. You know, that's I mean, there's enough vegetables on that thing to be a sandwich. So I don't know. I I will say yes. a Hot dog sandwich for me.
0: Um, I'm gonna say no. A hot dog is a hot dog. I don't know what else it is, but it's just a hot dog, and I can't, <laughs> I can't qualify it as a sandwich. So it's just. I mean,
2: I'm dog. the guy who said cereal was soup, so you know, just. I mean, record. I also said cereal. Yeah. cereal. I also, That's I also said cereal was soup.
0: <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> so I've we had been a Campbell's Lucky charm. We're not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> so we had been troop on a couple weeks ago. And Ben's first question was out the gate. he was like, "Is cereal soup?" And I was like, "What? <laughs> like what are you even talking about? like I have never I've never thought to ask my, myself that question. And after that, i I was profoundly like thoughtful. And yeah, Kevin and I were stumped like for at least a solid twenty seconds before we finally were like, "Yes, I, we think so. Mm-hmm. So yeah Checks I mean but I'm, I'm I'm on the fence that a hot dog is a hot dog.
1: All right. So second question. Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Are the peanut butter supposed to be separated or is the peanut butter and jelly mixed together? So do, you, do you mix it or you keep it separate?
0: What kind of monster mixes their peanut butter and jelly like that? Like it is in separate sides. One side for the peanut butter, one side for the jelly, and they come together in harmonious glory. That's how that works.
2: Agreed. See, now back when I was making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, it was in my younger days and I needed a little more calories to keep up. So I was making two at a time. So I needed one knife just for the peanut butter, one knife just for the jelly. Line them up, set them down and then we're, we're ready to go
1: no you mix it together like the song says ebony and ivory in pure harmony you
0: gotta <laughs> put it together I listen i need equal amounts i can't i can't put my jelly down and then like try to like swir- no it's just too much you feel like it, i need
2: smuckers market this did they not like put peanut butter a bottle. Yeah. there's, there's more, peanut yeah. butter
0: on one side jelly on the other and you squirt it and Brilliant. yeah you could you know put no. it together but <laughs> you could, you could no to no no the,
1: you get to change the complexity of the sandwich because it's like making kool-aid you can put too much sugar in it you can put a lot of sugar in it you can make your own version of crystal white at home with your own
0: Paris says doesn't matter, but have y'all tried grilled p b and j I have absolutely not and that sounds disgusting
2: yes, and it's good i kind now I kind <laughs> of need to have i need to write that down to make one grilled p b
0: and j sounds so gross warm peanut butter oh my god
2: oh I mean, my you, god. You,
0: you said you want
1: separate
2: <laughs>
0: i mean i just i i'm i'm thinking about like putting together a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and be like yeah tell my husband slap that baby on the grill like what
2: <laughs> like get like, on you know, a flat top you know like, uh, like, you grill, it, like you grill a
0: grill a like a panini, a panini press, press a panini yeah. d- peanut butter and jelly oh my god
2: i've seen a lot of stuff being done with waffle makers lately so i don't Listen. know oh. just, just waffle your baby and jay oh my god nothing wrong with that Oh, my Lord. <laughs> somebody waffle and oatmeal cream pie. Now, my only thought was, I have to buy a waffle maker now.
0: Uh, Parrish says we should throw it on the George Foreman grill. <laughs> <See>? <laughs> I mean,
2: who still got one of those?
0: I I had one of those for years and years before I met my husband. Uh, I was a single lady trying to survive, and so George Foreman and I were best friends for many a days.
2: Oh yeah, George got me through college for sure, Uh, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I don't want to go into how long ago that was. But uh, all right, last question about
1: about last post game press conference question for me, guys. So you know, in the game of we're gonna refer back to cereal, in the game of making cereal. Do you put the milk in first or do you put the cereal in first?
2: Cereal first for me. Yeah, I feel like that's the
0: only logical. Unless it's my
2: second bowl. All right, because second bowl, you have no, if if I, now I'm not much of a cereal eater these days, but back in my prime when I would eat cereal (laughs) for lunch or whatever, you know, first bowl, cereal goes in, then the milk goes in. If you eat all that cereal and you realize it's time for round two, Then you can put some dry cereal on top, but you're going to want to splash a little bit of fresh milk on that because otherwise you got nothing but dry cereal just floating on top of your bowl.
0: I would agree. Uh, Cereal first, milk on top. If you go back for a second bowl, then you could just, you know, add to whatever you've got there. But I feel like it would be really awkward for me to pour my milk in first because then I would just be guessing at how much milk I need. And I don't like that. So I would rather just cereal first and then, you know, wait till it rises and go on about my day.
1: Cowboy fans do it that way. That's why I was asking
0: the question. Uh, <laughs> 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 all right. All right. I see what you've done. I see what you've done. Hmm. I was not familiar with your game, but now I am. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I love, I actually really like those because those were all food related. And I, yeah, those were, those were good questions. Those are really good. I like those. All oh, right.
2: Yeah. I got one for you, Danny. What's the best movie you've seen? In I don't know how frequently you go see movies, so insert right. whatever time period that works for you. But what's all right, your, uh... so
1: current movie I went to go see Elemental actually yesterday. Oh, okay, yeah. Elemental. You listen. I don't know what the excuse me, I don't know what the hell Pixar is doing with these movies, but they know how to strike nerves when you're watching these movies nowadays. They try to hit you in the feels. And so I'm in the theater. It's me, my wife, and my daughter, and we're watching the movie. I'm not going to give it away, but there's one like two scenes in the movie, and I'm looking like, um, this is supposed to be a kids movie. Why am I in my feelings here? Mm-hmm. Um, like, why are we even doing this? Um, but outside of that, favorite movie, um, okay, so I have to give a top five because I have too many too many movies I watch all the I time. Feel that. Let's do it. New Jack City. Oh, yeah. okay. It's a classic. Um, a Bronx Tale. Okay. Um, Now it's time for the curveball. My Best Friend's Wedding. <laughs> 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 okay. It's about a sports writer. So what can we yeah, say? Yeah, okay,
0: it's, okay. It's, okay. I, All right.
1: I know. <laughs> Listen, I don't know. My wife watches A Notebook. Don't blame me for that one. Um, <laughs>
0: notebook is a really good movie, though.
2: It's trash.
1: Um... <laughs> Cowboy Nights. Oh, oh, Ricky Bobby. Ah, <laughs> <I mean, laughs> uh, yes, and and I think the other movie is a, a tie between Step Brothers, uh, which you literally can't get past, and I might be in the minority when I say this, but the original John Wick movie.
0: Oh, okay, oh, okay. okay. So that's right. that's a that's an interesting collection of movies. Like I was not.
2: That'd be a good like uh what do they say? The the stranded island, you know, you have to make your list of like the five movies. That'd be good. You've got some range there, you've got some variety. You have to. It honorable mention was
1: Booty Call and Life. So
0: (laughs) those are those are both good movies. Good movies. All right, Kev, I'm gonna ask you to answer that same question in five top five
2: movies. Ooh. Okay. All right. So that one's tough. I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to follow suit and make sure I hit a couple of different ones. We're going to start with the thing because that is my favorite horror movie and in general, just my favorite movie, big John Carpenter fan. Um, I loved like that. If you've seen that movie, the scene where they all have to uh, spoiler alert, sorry, but they all have to test everyone's blood to figure out who the thing is. Mm. So they're heating up this little coil and just the tension in the way they slowly build that scene is just mm, phenomenal. Um, I also, to keep it in the horror, I also, let's just say The Shining, um, because ooh. I'm a big Stanley Kubrick fan. I'd be hard for me to pick just one, so I'll just say that one. Okay. Um, ooh, let's see. Comedy-wise, I this is a bit of a guilty pleasure one for me. Uh, it might not actually be in my top five, but it's a fun one that a lot of people forget. I grew up watching grandma's boy it was a happy madison film with yes. like all, yeah about yes. game game developers in like the mid-2000s yes. something like that yeah loved i love that movie so much it's slept it's a slept on movie it's very slept on yes yes um oh man and i can't remember uh the other one that i love another comedy in that vein uh slackers um mm-hmm. devin sawa um i can't remember that who played cool ethan right? say what wasn't Kevin Smith in that movie? I don't know. It was uh, the guy from uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, uh, the main guy from that. He's in it. Oh, uh, I can't remember yes, his I name. Yes, I know who you're
0: talking about, and I, I can't believe, think of his name.
2: I believe I Laura Preece from that 70s is it show. Is Jason it. something? I feel Jason like Siegel. There yes, you go. Yes, there
0: you go.
2: Yeah. Yep, he was in it. Uh, Devin Sawa. The Ethan Schwartzman from uh, Bored to Death is a place, place, uh, cool Ethan plays like the antagonist it's a great little story about college uh college shysters who cheat and then they have to find a reason to actually care you know classic uh classic late 90s early 2000s uh you know uh Flicks. I don't want to use the word. We know the uh the uh, the w- there was a certain word that I can't use here. But yes, I, uh, you I know you. you got what we're saying. But yeah, did I hit five? I don't know. I think um, that was it, five. be More, oh, but it was good. Four. It was good. Throw a Batman in there. A Chris Nolan Batman. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Dark so, Knight.
0: Okay. Uh, well, well, you just stole one of mine. Ah, um, so sorry. Uh, all right. So Forrest Gump. Um, <laughs> that yeah, that is my all time all-time favorite movie so forrest gump uh coming to america is definitely in there uh sister act two. Oh yes
2: Ooh. um
0: sister act two it's a it's a really good one uh i would say uh definitely dark knight um yeah i'm phenomenal i'm gonna because i'm giving different genres i'm gonna say bad boys two. Um I that's my that's my like that out of the series out of the trilogy there, like that's my I love that one. Um if I have to give honorable mentions, I'm really big on like there's some kids' movies I like, so finding Nemo and Despicable Me are mm-hmm. in that like in that range. Um but yeah, those are like those are those are definitely like top five. Um I've seen those movies way too many times to count. Um and can probably go line for line, bar for bar. <laughs> <laughs> in those in those movies, and you know, say all the lines. So, well, you know, actually, no, now now I have one additional question. Yeah. So, go what for it.
1: what is your favorite song that people would not think is your favorite, just by looking? Ah,
0: <laughs> um, I'll give you one. Uh, so it's "Ain't It Fun" by Paramore. So people wouldn't mm. people wouldn't pick that one up, and it's a phenomenal song. Phenomenal song. Um. The other one, the second one is Can We Talk by Tevin Campbell.
1: So, I you sung that song as a child.
0: I did. I did. And if you see my, like, iTunes now, like, I've got plenty of music from, we'll say now, but what do I listen to the most? My 90s, like, r&b pop music so i've got all the kinds of tevin campbells and boys Timmins men's and aaliyahs and destiny's child and all that and then i've got in sync and backstreet boys and like yeah i've got all that kind of like going on all the time so half the time I, I you know growing up i would be texting my brother who's a couple years younger than me hey who's this kid who just came on like i don't even know who this guy is because i <laughs> i would be listening to this playlist on repeat I, you know nostalgic So yeah for me what you got
2: i would say well i can't say creed with arms wide open because i used that one last week so no one would be surprised by it so what i will say a lot of people are surprised when they hear about the first cd that i ever owned and it was the 1989 soundtrack to batman which was done exclusively by the artist formerly known as prince so oh. i am a huge freaking prince fan and people don't expect that from me i would uh, not have that okay. mm. dance is a
0: classic
2: it's Trust. an underrated classic. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: my God, i've never even seen kev yeah. break out and dance
2: <laughs> my prince, prince is uh, yeah he, he's very special so yeah that's that's what usually catches people off guard i still love that that album
0: i love it i love it what about All you right, danny so what gonna- for your own question
1: it's actually Jamiroquai's Virtual Insanity.
0: I would
2: not.
1: <laughs> my yeah. brother, I remember when the video first came out, I'm like, what is this? And so my brother had bought the CD and was like, just listen to it. And it ended up being in my rotation for so long. It's still in my rotation now. Uh, I think what was it was that, you know, if you have Apple Music, they do like your playlists for the year.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: Jamiroquai had five of the top 100 of on my playlist for the year. <laughs> And Virtual of Sandy wow. was actually number three behind the other song that was I'm gonna say is Harry Styles as it was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I would not have picked that. I, that's good. That's good.
1: So there we go. So that now we're done with your post-game pressers. You guys can go home and have some game
0: <laughs> I do I do have one more, one more to All add, right. which I didn't think about. Um, but the the other one is um there's actually two. Sorry, okay. that I just thought about it uh bohemian rhapsody by queen okay um i played that in orchestra like literally played that song with with when i was in high school so fell in love with the song uh and then there's another song which you guys won't know this but there's a song called uh sky life by a group called uh turtle it's turtle string quartet and uh i remember that song like like is yesterday because it's one of my favorites a jazz kind of like arrangement or whatever else and i will listen to that now even though i don't play violin anymore i haven't played in years and i'll be jamming out like it you know kev was just jamming out to prince um okay. so <laughs> do with that information what you will um <laughs> of course of course all right so we've come to the end of the podcast danny we appreciate you for for hanging out with us and giving us some of your time this was this has been fun it was really cool to see you just like kind of flip into basketball mode you and kev were in heaven i see both your little eyes like you know lighting up (laughs) talking back and forth i love it we'll have to have you back on uh during the season to talk more and more basketball because i'm sure there'll be more storylines uh to talk about all right so tell the people where they can find you on the internet
1: well, first and foremost, Meg and Kevin, it's been my pleasure to do this show, this pod tonight. Um, you know, I, I told Meg, you know, off air, I, I was really happy that she brought me on the show because I've been watching the pod. I've been watching Meg grow um, from the time I met her until now. She, she's, grown, she's grown exponentially um, in everything since I've met her. I'm so proud of her. I'm so glad to be here to let her know on camera that I'm proud of her so people actually can see that I'm not saying this. I'm saying this as in a person instead of behind the scenes. Um, and you know, Kev, you were last, you know, last you know, last word on sports, so you're now part of family because I know the folks over there. So, and they do such Aye. good work, so it's it's good to be able to connect more different worlds. And um, you can find my work on Substack. I do have my own Substack, which is called The Wonderful World of Data. Uh, since we did not talk NBA draft, the good news is I dropped my 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 first and only NBA mock draft. I dropped it about two hours ago. Um, and so this mock draft is actually different than ones I've done in the past. Um, my sub stack is really a, it's an ode to data, um, as a transition from being a day-to-day beat writer, uh, talking about games, I'm looking at things from a data analytics standpoint, because guess what? Everybody really doesn't like data in basketball. Well, I got the idea, um, I was going through a little bit of a funk story and my wife loves to ear hustle. She loves to ear hustle my sports conversations because, you know, she's getting into sports. She's married to me now. She's stuck with me. There's no, no, no take-backs in the situation. We're tattooed together. Ain't no take-backs. So she was trying to understand certain things about the NBA when I'm talking about data. So I woke up one night. This is when Kevin Love actually signed with the Miami Heat. And I wrote an article about um, why is Kevin Love important, which it actually was relevant throughout the entire playoffs. It's the corner three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. Kevin Love's five ability and corner three-point shooting is what the Heat didn't have. They were the worst team in the NBA when they signed them. And so I wrote it, and I tried to break it down in words so my wife would understand. My wife's extremely intelligent. But when it comes to basketball knowledge, if she doesn't really know it, she doesn't know it. So I wrote it. I published it. I posted it. And she read it. And she goes, hey, so you're telling me that Miami needed Kevin Love because none of the guys can shoot from the corners. And Kevin Love is does this percentage, this percentage, this percentage. I was like, well, damn, it worked. She (laughs) finally figured it out. (laughs) So I write things with her in mind. So I, I, because she's the common basketball fan. So I try to break down data analytics, all the advanced stats in ways where people can understand them by using real world terms. I used it, I I explained four factors, for example, by using the the Knicks' playoff conundrum in their starting lineup um, against the series against the Miami Heat. I talked about uh, Nick Nurse and the importance of offensive rebounding. With, the, with his uh, addition to the Philadelphia 76ers because they were trash on the Doc Rivers rebounding the basketball. Um, I talked about Jamal Murray in the playoffs, uh, how his elevation of mid-range turned him from where he is to a superstar in the NBA, and we saw what happened in the finals. So my draft, mock draft, was basically a basketball fit slash analytical fit at the same time. So I did look at it from a basketball perspective, but I also did an analytical standpoint behind it, and threw a couple, you know, threw some things in there that you might not know about players or might not know about the teams they're being drafted to. So I want to see how accurate it is tomorrow. So if you don't like it, I hate to say it, and yes, Meg, I did. I, I we're going to say the obvious is there. Okay, you stole right. the first pick. You stole the first pick. All right.
0: Just to so make see. sure. You stole the first pick. Okay,
1: the same way. <laughs> Hillkin stole Anthony Davis from the Hornets the same way the ping pong balls have never fallen in the Hornets' favor. We ne- we never, we don't get nice things, and so I, yeah, it's your fault. Okay, I mean
0: to be fair, the Spurs hadn't had anything since nineteen ninety seven. I just you know. the Hornets have never picked first. Well, okay, Last time I'm they picked
1: sorry. first was Larry Johnson. I'm
2: still daydreaming. <laughs> oh. I'm not even a Pistons fan, and I was daydreaming about Ivy Cunningham and Wemby. I was like, "Oh, Thunder the versus best- Pistons, right. 2027 Finals. Let's the, do it!" He, I'm sorry.
1: You know what? The, the best face in the draft mock draft was watching Ben Wallace when they yes. showed Ben Wallace get the fifth overall pick. I really thought he was about to go after uh, Mark Tatum, right? <laughs> I thought I thought he was going full body Boucher at the end of the world.
0: Heated, heated. <laughs>
1: that's the wrong guy you want mad at you like (laughs) Ben might be in his 50s but like if I saw Ben Wallace mad I think I'm walking the other way and I'm running
0: absolutely absolutely well all right so we'll have to have you come back we'll we'll break down the draft we'll break down some more some more games and we'll we'll talk through that we'll we'll you know we'll give you plenty of time and we'll we'll talk (laughs) through uh you know I'm gonna say right now my Spurs potentially drafting uh wimby so i you know hey i'm gonna knock on every piece of wood that this happens because i think y'all might have to come find me and check on me if it doesn't all right kev tell the people on the internet where they can find you
2: absolutely and thanks again Danny for joining us you can find my writing over at last word on sports again covering NCAA and the NBA right now I've been focusing heavily on the draft profiles but we also have some free agent profiles and stuff coming up so other than that you can catch me live every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern on the bite Size sports network on our little show called the bounce where James and I talk well nothing but hoops and then uh be sure to subscribe to biasized sports check out my other friends talking NFL MLB fantasy sports all that stuff so we also do some scripted things uh like of that nature so check us out some time but when you're when it's tuesday nights this is where i'm at cuz this is where where this is the place to be
0: of course, of course. And thanks for hanging out with me as always. Um, all right. So you can find uh hall about sports on Twitter. That's hall ABT sports. You can find it on YouTube. Of course it's at hall about sports. Also on the tick of the talk, as the kids say, it's hall about sports pod POD. You can find my personal page on Twitter. It's at the Megan hall, like the one and only Megan hall that way. Uh, same thing on Instagram at the Megan hall. Finally, all of our content is available on HallAboutSports.com. And Danny doesn't know this, but he inspired this brand. So shout out to him. He put a little bug in my ear back in April about, uh, you know, putting together a personal brand. And, you know, lo 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 and behold, I sat down one day and it just came to me and I said, Darn it, Danny. <laughs> but I was listening. I was paying attention when you said it to me. So, hey, here we are. This this brand has been birthed. So kudos to you. Uh, thank you for uh, putting some fire underneath me to uh, to put this together. So, all right. You've been listening to the Hall About Sports podcast where the sports are real. The stories are real. Well, actually, I think I said that wrong. See, that's how that's how you know it's been a long day for me. Of course, the sports are real. <laughs> the sounds of the game are real. And, yes, the stories are real, too. We'll see you next episode. Peace out. For more of your favorite sports stories, head over to HallAboutSports.com.